The topic of today's podcast is one that may be considered sensitive to some listeners. Please take that into account before downloading and listening to this episode. Welcome to the Eskenazi Health Here For You podcast, where we go beyond the doctor's office and take a closer look at the programs that Eskenazi Health has to offer our patients and the communities we serve. My name is Brian Van Bocklin. I'm public affairs manager here with Eskenazi Health. And uh, as we get rolling into the month of February with Valentine's Day right around the corner, uh, we thought it was important to discuss uh, the idea of healthy relationships and programs available for individuals uh, who may be currently involved or have been involved in an unhealthy relationship. So joining us today, we're very fortunate to have Mary Ellis Navarro, who's our survivor advocate. Um, and we will get into that when I turn it over to uh, Mary Alice, because it's very important to survivor advocate here at uh, Eskenazi Health Center for Hope to talk about the programs and counseling of Center for Hope and other uh, victims of sexual assault or family violence and how to build healthy relationships. So first of all, Mary Alice, thank you for joining us today. Uh, And I think that's a great place to start because, you know, question one is tell us what you do here with us. But when you sat down, you said it's survivor advocate. So let's just go ahead and start right there and lead into everything that you do uh, with Eskenazi and Center for Hope, but more importantly, why is it important that you, you know, survivor advocate as opposed to victim advocate, survivor advocate? So please uh, give us your philosophy and all of that. Okay. Well, I've been with Eskenazi, it'll be three years in January. So um, I've known um, the, I've known another person in the program, and she kind of recruited me over. So she knew how I worked. So, um, so I came over and, and, I use survivor advocate because a lot of victims, well, even the word victim makes a person feel small, feel defeated, feel um, less than. So I use survivor because they survived something, and this could be the biggest thing that's ever happened in their life. So I like to use a survivor because they are in the hospital. They did survive whatever trauma that was placed upon them by no choice of their own. So that's why I like to say survivor. And a lot of patients who come in don't even like the word victim. They're like, I'm not a victim. And I have to honor what they um, what they call themselves. I'm not going to say, no, you're this, not this, because so much power has been taken away from them, especially with this trauma. So I go, you know, I try to continue to give them the strength to go through whatever process they are going to do here at Eskenazi because a forensic exam can, it's very invasive and can be very long. So again, I try to build them up and give them that, that control and some power back from, um, from their trauma that they've experienced. Yeah, I really do like that when you say because you start you start off and you're trying to with, with the whole survivor advocate because when you do you, I agree 100 percent with you when you use the word victim you almost they've experienced a trauma no one's going to argue with that so let's so let's not start our process off with something that has almost a negative connotation to it so I really do appreciate the that mentality of survivor advocate and with media within a lot of social circles, there's a thing called a perfect victim. There's no such thing as a perfect victim. So I'm not going to um, make them sound like the perfect victim because, again, victims come in all 
colors, ethnicity, socioeconomic, um, just everybody has a different background. Every survivor comes in has a different story. So again, I'm not going to peg them into one, one hole when they don't fit in that hole. So Center for Hope, um, tell us a little bit about what the, what the Center for Hope is, the mission, the goals, and, and the work that you guys are doing out there. There are quite a few center, centers of hope within Indianapolis, um, and what we do is we provide a space within that hospital unit to talk and look at their options, really. Again, a lot of these survivors come in, they're already feeling guilty, they're already um, not even processing this. They're kind of just on auto mode. So we give them a space to talk to somebody who will not be judging them, who will not be saying, why did you do this? Why did you do that? We give them a place where people who are trained to deal with this trauma to give that space to them to feel safe. And I say that often to patients who come in. I'm like, here, you're safe. Here, no one's going to hurt you. Here, people are going to help you. So Center for Hopes are an important thing to have in our community because we explain things on their level. Sometimes at a hospital, we get very medically, you know, those terms that that uh, at times um, medical professionals will throw at you. And, and, I, and I do that, too. I'm like, I have no idea what they're saying to me. But we really break things down for them where they can understand what is going on, what can happen, and they're in total control in that room. So I think that... Again, control was taken from them. Center of Hope gives them that control, gives them those options of what is going to be best for them to start their journey. And is Center for Hope, is this a, a larger partnership is, uh, nationwide? So I, I apologize if I'm asking a clueless question here, but is this a partnership with uh, like Center for Hope National? Uh, how, do, how does it all work? And has it got here to Eskenazi? I don't know if it's a national thing. I believe it's um, they have them all over Indian, um, Indiana, but especially here in Indianapolis. We have one at Community East, Community North, um, Ascension, St. Vincent. Um, Riley and us. I think those are the major ones. And for Riley, they service any survivor who's 16 and under. So we even have those services for the younger, the younger kiddos. Um, so yeah, it's just uh, a group here in Indianapolis who thought this was a social issue that needed to be discussed and survivors needed help. So they devised this program and hope is exactly what we try to give them. Um, hope that their story will not be the end of their book. So for someone who might be listening to this and, you know, potentially needing the services of Center for Hope, what can they expect, you know, when they make that first point of contact? Is there a, is there a way to give not the 10-cent the tour, I guess, almost, of what that process is like for someone and what they can expect? Every survivor is different. Every survivor is different. So let's say that a survivor experienced sexual assault, and there's a lot of questions that we ask. And we do apologize for all these questions. We're just trying to figure out what's the best for them because there are within the protocol, like you have to be within a certain time frame to get services. So we kind of ask that, you know, where did it happen, when it happened, and time it happened. And I always apologize. I'm sorry I'm taking you back to this. I really am. We can stop whenever you need a break, but these are things that we need to know to make sure protocol is protocol are followed. Um, so we ask those questions, and then we say, okay, this is what we can do. We can 
um, just give you medication if you're worried about sexually transmitted infections. We can do a whole forensic kit. We can help with contacting law enforcement. Um, or we can just talk because sometimes they are out of that time frame. So just talking and, again, listening to them, letting them lead their story, sometimes it's just as beneficial as doing, you know, all the medical stuff too. But um, we're here how they want us to be here. And then um, as we are here in February and Valentine's Day, and, you know, I would think almost, unfortunately, a, a month like February, an event like Valentine's Day might actually keep someone in a bad situation longer than they have to be. There could be the emotions that go and get tied into that. So as we are in that, and maybe if someone is not sure what's going on, what are what are some warning signs that, that someone might be in a, a unhealthy or toxic relationship? Um, might, you know, maybe we're headed down the road of something horrible happening. And what, what can someone be on the lookout for to, you know, to hopefully avoid a bad situation? Usually the first few signs are um, empty promises. You know, oh, we move in together. We live happily ever after. Um, but then it goes into isolation because once they have communication with their network, with their family, things are more likely to be told to them. So, they isolate them from friends and family. Like, no one will understand our love except for us. No one can understand me except for you. So you have to be with me because it's you and me against the world. And as somebody in love, doesn't that sound great? Like, yes, we always want to be together, and this is wonderful, and who needs my family? Because all we need, are, you know, is us. So, and you know, in reality, that person is trying to um, – keep them for themselves because of jealousy. Or again, if you're close to another person, you're more likely to tell them once abuse starts or those red flags start popping up. So even though it sounds fun that, oh, he wants to be with me all the time, that can be a red flag. It really can. Um, And then just the starting with the name calling or why are you so stupid or why did you do that or blaming them when they do get mad. Well, if you didn't do that, I wouldn't get mad. So, and of course, as human beings, we want to be cared for, we want to be loved. But at times, the survivor thinks, well, if, you know, if only I did this right, or only if I do that right, then they will continue to love me. But again, that perpetrator is having control over their behavior and their thoughts. Again, control is the main issue here, is having control over somebody. And it starts small, and then it can grow grow bigger. And sometimes trauma is also a bonding um, factor. Like, they've experienced trauma, the perpetrators experienced trauma, so only those two know what that trauma feels like. Only us can figure it out. So um, something like that can bring people together. Um, Threats of violence when they, you know, don't do this, don't do that, because um, I'll hurt you, I'll hurt, I'll hurt, you know, somebody that you love, stuff like that. Um, and even how one person treats pets is a huge indicator. As do they, and I even ask that, do they hurt your dog? Do they hurt your cat? What do they do? They're like, oh, yeah, they, they throw the cat against the wall or do this. It's a huge red flag of a person who has anger and control issues. Um, so we often ask them, how do they treat their animals? And a lot of people wouldn't have thought that, but um, that's that's a huge, huge red flag. And of course, there's substances and alcohol. 
um, in that. So there's a lot of red flags that, and I would advise people if it just feels wrong, really, really research that. Why is that feeling wrong? Because a lot of people are like, especially if they've had a lifetime of trauma, this is normal. So, but if it feels wrong, then let's talk about it. Because when a person comes into Center of Hope, we never tell them to leave. Again, that's us telling them what to do. They've been told what to do many times. So um, we just say, okay, so what are they doing? Okay, well, let's look at this this way or that way. So we give them options. We never say, leave him or her. And I use, um, usually when I talk about survivors, I say she, but males can be pronouns. So, I mean, can be survivors. So we, um, we, we are very cognizant of using he and she pronouns because we don't want to say all perpetrators are males just like we don't want to say all survivors are females uh, how can someone get in touch with the center for hope if they do need your services what's the best way to access them well the best way well i don't know if it's the best way but they come through the ed because there have been some injuries from a physical assault or even mental abuse uh, we have a lot of patients who come in who are stress anxiety depression because of their their history with um, that verbal and emotional abuse from their partner. So they can um, come in through our emergency department, um, and they can walk in. We've had that a few times. They just come to the emergency department and say, I need to talk to somebody at Center of Hope. So we really don't make appointments. It's more walk-in because we never know what's going to happen during the day. I think that's one part I like about my job. Like, oh, I have no appointments today. And then five minutes later, they're like, we have a sexual assault. We have this. We have, I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> here we go. So our day is never planned. It, it just, we just take it as it comes. You have actually made this conversation so easy in transitioning through it because you mentioned coming into the ED. So I, I know the, the center also offers education opportunities for nurses. Can you go into a little bit more detail on how that works? Is it training for them to spot? Uh, possible uh, situations of violence or abuse? How does, how, how does that work? Everybody's trained on human trafficking, domestic violence, sexual assault, but they kind of get the 101 of all of that. So um, even yesterday, I had a nurse contact me, and she's like, I just have a weird feeling. Again, we have to trust our gut as people. She's like, I have a weird feeling. Can you come and talk to this patient? That's all I got. I'm like, okay. So I talked to her and we talked extensively yesterday, but that's where the nurses, they call, and the doctors and residents, and um, we get called to every floor in this hospital um, because people just think something's off. They think something's going on. They don't feel like the experts, so they call us. Um, and then we educate them from there, honestly. They're like, oh, so how'd it go? And I'm like, well, this is what happened. And, and um, especially when it comes to cultural differences, me being a, a Hispanic, Latinx person um, here at this hospital, sometimes those cultural differences may be um, different for that nurse or for that doctor. So even learning that as a survivor advocate, I'm educating those people and at least the Latinx culture. So um, they're educating me and I'm educating them. So, but they are um, through our annual 
education, there are some things on human trafficking, stuff like that. So it's more education on the spot. But if somebody wants to become a forensic nurse, there's like 40 hours of education that they can take that I actually took, even though I'm not a nurse, I just felt it was very beneficial to find out all aspects of this this process so I can best serve those who come into the hospital. And is there a, uh, an established process for uh, an, an on-site nurse to contact you? Is there, is, it a, is there a phone number we can put out for them, or is this something that's just plastered everywhere to, to get in touch with you guys if they see something? Our main number is a 317-880-8006. All right, fantastic. <laughs> and then we all have different numbers, but 8006 is our main number. So um, as we uh, get close to wrapping this up, is there anything that we have not hit on that is important to you that we make sure that we touch on? Anything that you want to reiterate uh, about the work that you have done um, or anything else that might also be coming up for you guys? Well, for people out there who are concerned about loved ones, don't give up on them because at times that that person – goes to somebody asking for help and it takes on a national seven times for them to actually leave the relationship. So if somebody comes to you, um, just be there and listen because I know sometimes when that friend comes to you with the same problem over and over, you're like, I'm done. I'm done. You're not taking my advice, you know. Um, but again, it takes seven times to leave a relationship for that to happen. So don't give up on somebody who needs your help because in, because in the end, if they come in the hospital, they're not going to have anybody. Um, and it's important for them, for every survivor to feel that they're worthy of that, um, that love and respect of, of being believed and being listened to and being supported. But a center of hope, um, we're a very dedicated team. We're in this because it is a hard job. Um, every day can be depressing. <laughs> it is at most times. We're not dealing with, um, with, with happy things, but we're dealing with, with humans who also deserve that respect, who deserve to be heard and listened and believed. What would you say to someone who is listening to this who's, who's not in one of these situations, but is seeing someone they know is in this situation and is going back and forth? Should, should I make a phone call? Should I step in? Is it a err on the side of saving them? Or how would you counsel someone who isn't sure if it's their business or not, I guess might be the better way to... I believe everybody deserves to be listened to. And if that friend doesn't feel comfortable, there's agencies throughout um, the city that could help, such as Families First, the Julian Center, Beacon of Hope. So there's people to help them have that um, communication with their friend. Um, but once they start telling them what to do, that's where the survivor kind of backs off like, whoa, you don't know my relationship. You know, they kind of just want to vent instead of have a problem solved for them. So really listening is the best thing that they can do. Now, if that friend tries to make phone calls for them, honestly, some agencies won't talk to that friend. They would just give them general advice. But we, they need to know that that um, person is invested in leaving that relationship. So that's why we encourage people to call themselves. And it could be with a friend right there. So even if somebody comes to um, our emergency room or calls and a friend says, my friend wants to come in for a forensic exam, that patient has or that person has to call themselves because they need to make that decision for themselves if they're if what they want and if 
they want assistance in their relationship. We could want it for them, but as long as they know where they can go, that friend is there to take them, to be there with them, that would be the biggest advice. Again, just listen. Don't tell them what to do. Just let them know that they are cared for and loved, and when they're ready, you're there. That's fantastic. And one more time before we wrap it up, uh, best way to get in touch with Center for Hope, uh, if you reiterate how to get in touch, where all the locations are, Sure. Plug your stuff. You <laughs> right. <laughs> so Center of Hope at Eskenazi is on 720 Eskenazi Avenue. The best way to, if you want to see us, go to the emergency department, ask to see Center of Hope. You don't need to tell them what's going on because the nurses know. They've been educated to know. Somebody comes in asking for that. Um, they know it's something sensitive, and they'll give us a call. If they want to call us and want to know if they can come in or talk to somebody, then they can call us at 317-880-8006. I did forget we also provide protective orders if they want some documentation from the court that they want this person to stay away from them. That's what we do, too. Um, so a lot of times that's what people want, and we do it together, filling this out. But um, they can also go to Community East. They're on call at Community North, St. Vincent's, um, Peyton Manning Children's Hospital there by St. Vincent's also does them, 16 and younger, along with Riley, 16 and younger, and San um, Franciscan Health. They all have Center's Hope. Um, it's important for them to call and make sure that somebody's there or with a detective, make sure somebody's there because we are a 24-7 program. Not everyone is a 24-7, um, but if there you have people on call, so if they need to be called in, they will. But as a city, we take this serious. This is a very serious social issue that we're, we're behind, and we're dedicated workers, and we want everybody to be healthy and and feel welcome and loved in their own relationships. Uh, Mary Alice Navarro, thank you so very much for coming in. Survivor Advocate, Eskenazi Health Center for Hope. Thank you so very much for taking your time. Of course, thank you to Joe and Rachel for uh, putting this all together and producing things up. Uh, feel, please feel free to listen to all of our uh, podcast episodes on our SoundCloud account. And, of course, you can follow, find more information about Center for Hope and all of the Eskenazi Health uh, programs, eskenazihealth.edu. And you can also follow us on all the social media platforms as well. Thank you so very Thank much you. for coming in. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Eskenazi Health Here For You podcast. To hear all of our previous episodes, please subscribe to our channel on SoundCloud by searching Eskenazi Health.